Welcome to the Confidently Me with CC podcast. I'm your host and hype queen, CC. My purpose is to empower you to discover your most authentic self and find confidence in every ounce of what makes you, you. Tune in on Tuesdays to experience reality unfiltered as we break down the crazy norms and expectations we've been conditioned to believe our entire lives. All while learning how to discover your true self and live a happier, more fulfilled life being confidently you. Let's do this, fam! But now it's Tuesday and we're here to tune in to Confidently Me with Cece. So we have a great episode for you today, everybody. But before we get started, we are going to jump into a segment that I'm going to have on a lot of my shows, I would say. It is called the Moody Mic Drop. So what is the Moody Mic Drop? Basically, I have this color microphone cover uh, that goes over my microphone and I'm going to line a different color to the way that I'm feeling that week, you know. What are kind of my my vibes? What did I go through? What color do I really feel like omitting right now? For this week, uh, my first ever Moody Mic Drop, the microphone here is the color blue. And the reason that it's the color blue is, to be completely honest, I had a pretty rough week this week. I, um, I had a full-on mental breakdown. Basically, my grandma, she's sick, and she went into hospice last week. And it's interesting when it's it's something like a family member or inner circle person when you go through the grieving process. Like a lot of things just kind of appear in your life that um, are unknown, you know, feelings, different emotions. You haven't experienced anything like this before. Um, So I was going through a lot of like new emotions that were overwhelming. I was really close to my grandma. And, you know, it just it really put me into this depressive state where I'm just I'm feeling blue. I'm feeling down. So that's the color of my moody mic. And then um, I went through the weekend. That was fine. And on Monday, I had a full down, full blown, full blown mental breakdown. And like, what does a mental breakdown look like to me? Well, usually it starts with a pretty bad night's sleep. Oh, my gosh. I literally was up, I think, seven or eight times throughout the night because my dog gets so excited whenever I'm I'm come home from a long weekend where I'm away. And I think she was just so excited all throughout the night that she needed to be taken out like seven times. So I couldn't really get into a full REM sleep. So mm, there we go. Bad sleep. And then just waking up in the morning and starting to talk to my parents because um, I'm, I'm at my parents right now because I was going to see my grandma and such. Um, but just talking to my parents about like how bad my sleep was, that started infuriating me. And then I just get this like surge of anger where I want to like scream and yell, but also want to cry at the same time. Like it just feels like your whole world is crashing down on you at one time. But um, anyway, uh, full on mental breakdown started the week hot uh, on Tuesday because it was a long weekend, um, you know, with just on a really big low. Um, So how did I kind of get out of that? I thought that would be, you know, good to share with this crew is really I I focused on what I wanted. Like I got really specific on things that are kind of greater than me that I can look forward to, like these like big lofty achievements in my life and or or milestones that I want to get to. Like what are my next best steps towards like new milestones I want to get to? And Okay, don't get me wrong. It's not easy to do that when you're like on this full on mental breakdown, depressed state. But it's like the only thing that I could think of to grasp onto that it's something I really, really want that I feel it so badly inside that I know will make me so happy because I'm like, 
feeling how it makes me happy in this moment. Um, but two of the things, or one of them is the podcast where really I can put this energy in and put my constructive time into something where I'm seeing a direct output of it, like working on building a brand, working on building out my podcast, developing episodes, everything that goes into this. Um, and then my other thing is something that's more of like a passion thing, uh, which is skiing. It's, it's something that I know is a guarantee that makes me really happy and like these two things, the podcast and skiing that I'm super excited about just have been getting me through. So now I have like 12 days in February where I'm going to be skiing up in Vermont. And then I booked a two week solo trip, which I'll get into at some other point, solo trip, solo time, that whole shebang. But um, I booked a two week solo trip out to Jackson Hole. Uh, which will be great to go to Wyoming. I'm going to bring Molly. I have like a rental car, four wheel drive. Don't even have to worry about the weather. I can, I can, you know, drive in it. Um, and then I can, I can ski. I'm going to take some time off of work. Two things in my tangible future that I'm excited about. So yeah, thinking about these things has really helped me not be like pigeonholed to believe that things are evolving. They're more linear. They grow. So that's been really helpful to me. Also just back to my grandma. She just, she's 97. She's had this really long life. It's been this actually incredible story because she's had these three great loves of her life, we say. And we actually, we, we call the loves of her life um, that, well, they all start with the letter H. So it's like the three H's of her life. Um, one of them's Harold, my grandpa. Then he died uh, when she was like, I think 67 or so. And 10 years later, she met Hank. So they, they had a thing for like six years until Hank passed away. And then she was just like single again. And then when she was like 88, an old family friend knocks on her door named Hal. So Harold Hank Hal. Um, and he says, he's widowed too. And he says, Sylvia, will you start a romance with me? And my my grandma is like, yeah, I mean, there's only uh, however many years of life to live. Like I'm in my late 80s. Let's literally grow older together is what I would say to that. So she's just really been a model of someone who sees his life. And she's also shown me that even though we have all these experiences and life is just jam-packed with stuff, it really is super short and it flies by fast. To my my grandma, it's just a mere memory in her head when she was like 12 years old and at sleepaway camp and she helped her team win color war. You know, that's a memory just like a memory she had from five years ago. Once things become a memory and they're in the past they're all kind of the same as far as timing goes, like time becomes ambiguous when it's in the past. So we got to seize life and it's very short. I actually read a statistic the other day about the, the total average days that humans exist on earth. And really what we can do to maximize our time here is what I've been thinking about from that. So on average, humans live about 28,275 days in their entire lifetime. So just to put it into perspective, by the time we're 30, we're literally already 8,000 days down. 8,000 days down. Like, think about your life thus far. We're like a third of the way there. 30%, 31%. Just at 30. So what are we going to do between now and the day that we die to freaking maximize our life? To go on the ski trips? To start the podcasts? What are you waiting for? So just to put this into perspective, to ascribe quantitative value to life being like finite, 
It's not something that exists forever. Like, what are we going to do to maximize today and tomorrow? And also, like, I know there are really bad days. I'm going through it right now. My my friend, Sam, he's my GBF, gay best friend, for those who don't know. He's always like, we're going through it. And I'm like, yes, I am going through it right now. It's like not good. Going through it is not good. Going through it is my moody mic drop today, the blue microphone. But even though when we're going through it, I'm still finding ways to maximize my life because the greater vision, the greater takeaways from my life outweigh the misery that I'm in right now. So to go into today's topic, talking about how we became not confident. So the origins and like why we even developed these non-confident things in the first place, because honestly, the not confidence, it's like they're so annoying in our life. Like they're a big part of what makes life hard, but also they must just be innately human though, because we go through them and we learn from things and that's also what helps evolve us forward. So personally, I just, I think it's important that we understand the origin of how we became not confident in order to get a step closer to, you know, really achieving what true confidence and authenticity is like in the long-term journey. So some science behind why we are the way we are. I love looking to science just, you know, to think about the logic behind things. You know, it just explains the why, um, which is pretty satisfying. And then we like know logically that things exist. And then we can talk about lots of intangible things. But anyway, um, so yeah, really honing in on where not being confident comes from. So knowing how we became not confident will help us become aware of and identify what what's specifically holding us back from becoming more confident versions of ourselves and getting the most out of our, you know, 20,000-ish days left on earth, as we were talking about earlier. So the first step in any process is just generating awareness and gaining a sense of acknowledgement or acceptance that this thing exists, you know, something that we're processing through. If you know AA, like Alcoholics Anonymous, the first step is is just really gaining awareness like of the addiction. So similar here, we're just gaining awareness of what not confidence looks like in our life. So Here, the awareness is meant to help us build our true confidence muscle by rewiring our brains to sound alarms when we do fall into familiar old patterns of lacking confidence, which, you know, is something that we're starting to identify now in this stage of our life. Our brains are so smart and humans are incredibly good at adapting. That's just what we do as like literal animals, literal species on this planet. And it's all about survival. When we are born to this earth as a, a, a human, as like an animal, just like an elephant is born to this earth or a frog. I know I'm getting a little out here here, but all we're meant to do is, is survive. So that's everything that our brains are biologically trained to do is for survival and help us meet our basic needs like getting food or water or shelter Um, But even things too, like connection and like I'm saying, teaching us how to survive. But what also comes with it is just our parents' belief about the world and what we should or we shouldn't do, think or feel or be, Um, you know, even though it might not align with the human that we're actually meant to be in our core. So we're thinking parents' beliefs versus 
what we are at our core. But we can also attribute developing not confidence to early attachment styles as kids. For example, if we had a parent that was always late to pick us up growing up, that would 100% impact your ability to trust people later in life because that same sense of abandonment that you experienced as a child, that became a norm for you. You only knew the abandonment. It was just regular that your caretaker couldn't come through for you in that way. And that's so scary. You you literally learn to live in fear. And it's just like, oh, it's the opposite of safe. And I just want to go to that little version of yourself and give it a big hug. You know what I mean? But so another example for me is um, my parents. They're kind of messy people. Um, love you, mom and dad. And we, we can all take ownership. You can be confidently messy. I'm confidently not messy. Because of this, me in my life right now is is, is uh, confidently not messy versus this uh, from this time. So when things are just like a mess or they're not organized, things get lost. We, we don't have a reliable source that we always know that we can go back to, that we're going to find that thing and we're going to be able to use it wherever, whenever. Like I'm saying, I could never depend on something that I need to be there to be there when I actually needed it. It was always kind of like a maybe. And that was just like a big theme for my life as a kid. So a lot of my work has been towards like developing the secure attachment style. It was just this unreliable kind of backing uh, for life, especially because things were messy, like even in my mom's purse, like she could never find stuff. And she would be driving a car and like digging through the purse, or she'd be like, you need to go find this in my purse. Like, it's like, ugh, the sense of urgency, I could literally feel it in myself as I'm talking to you. I couldn't have a sense of confidence, the the unsteadiness directly correlates to me not having the sense of confidence in knowing where things are and feeling this assurance that I can operate in the world in like a safe way that felt comfortable. So it was a norm for me to be messy too, because I literally didn't know anything else. I didn't know that neat was an option It was like gum falling out of like a packet of gum, just scattered throughout the purse, like nothing in pouches, like wires to chargers without the box to plug it in on like four different chapsticks like mace starbucks gift card in the starbucks gift card giant envelope that it came in three years ago like literally mary poppins bag style uh now as i'm just thinking about this it literally it literally is triggering me but i was really messy too as much as i hated it i didn't know neat was an option and i had to teach myself neat and I had to teach myself organized. And I had to learn how to meet that need for myself around safety and reliability since that was just something my parents just couldn't necessarily deliver to me as a kid. But it still became so hardwired in me that I literally like was a reflection of exactly what my parents were, even though it was something that was uncomfortable and unsafe for me. Like I got so used to being unsafe that it became my norm. We don't want to live in unsafe ways. That's what causes anxiety. That's what causes stress. Confidence is the key to eliminating a lot of the emotional weight that we put on the anxiety and stress. Whoa, I'm literally just realizing this as I'm talking to you guys. Where it really reversed for me is when I first went to college and I had my own space and I could detach from all of these vibes I grew up in. You know, having a messy car, having a messy house, like everything was finally kind of in my control, but not in like a, oh, I need to control this sense, which perfectionist sense, which I do have. And I'll talk about in other episodes. But it was really like this sense of ownership and empowerment that I had in my own space. And I developed this curiosity that I could start to like explore. That's really what it was. I I became curious about, I'm like, hmm, what would it be like if 
it wasn't this way that it's always been. And that's when I started to learn all of these, you know, different things that align with my preferences that allow me to be confident. So I taught myself need, I taught myself organized, and I was able to rely on myself and meet my own needs. You know, we're just, we're so vulnerable when we're developing when we're young, because again, like I'm saying, we can't really meet our own needs yet. When we're fully dependent on someone else, we're not only just dependent on that person being a being, like just because they're your parents doesn't just mean they have this big label as parents. Our parents are parents and they're also the humans, the full-on humans behind them. So it's not only just like our parents' ability to meet our needs, but it's their ability to meet their needs sufficiently. And if they never learned how to meet their own needs sufficiently, like, you know, get yourself out of chaos, like I kind of did when I meet in my room, uh, then they're not going to be able to meet our own needs sufficiently too. And we're going to adopt those insufficiently met needs because of it and have a lot more stress and anxiety because of it versus like confidence and self-assuredness. It's really just crazy to me how deep a lot of these things hit. Just speaking candidly, as I'm going through this with you, I'm also having realizations myself. So I'm just really grateful you're on this journey with me and, uh, you know, we're getting real together. So, you know, our parents' dependency really comes with a price because so much of our livelihood as, as children is contingent upon what the heck vibes our parents have. And they may not have been through therapy or maybe they haven't worked on a lot of the stuff and the trauma that they had experienced as a child. So then it gets dumped on us, all of that unworked stuff. And look, we can make the space to have compassion for our parents. Like I still love my parents and I see them this way, but by all means, <laughs> there's no need to continue this legacy of all of that baggage, all of that crap that's being passed down through our generations. Like, I just want to take a breath of air and just clear it all out, you know? So I always say this. I'm like, it stops here. It stops here, fam. All of that conditioning that subconsciously influenced you in your upbringing is now being reflected in your modern day life as what your brain thinks is like signals that are helping ensure your survival because that's what it's been used to. But Really, it's it's this voice in our head that drives our behavior, like the thoughts, feelings, our actions. It's it's the voice that's been fueled by our that our parents' voice. And this is the voice that's, you know, when we're insecure or we feel like we need to have a guard up, um, when we have trouble accessing our emotions. Um, it's what what causes us to repress our pain because feelings weren't ever discussed in your house as a child, or when we when we have our, our guard up, uh, maybe somebody was really mean to you in your house as a kid, or yelled a lot or put you down a lot. So you just learned to have your guard up because you just needed to become this tough being like Teflon where everything just bounces off of you, nothing can make it through to your core, because you're like blocking out all of those emotions, because that's scary. And that's just what's going to help ensure your survival. So all of this is geared towards our survival. It's just what I really want you to take away from this, if you take away anything, is how freaking fundamental this stuff is. Like this stuff is us at our core. It's it's just humans existing. So I I I hope that there's a place in you that's not in denial about it, but we're here acknowledging it. We're here being aware of it and we're working through it because all of it, may I remind you, is driving you to a more confident future where you feel authentic and you feel good. Like, again, I had a full-on mentee be this week 
just to deviate for a sec. I had a full-on mentee beat this week. Mental breakdown through the wazoo. I was such a low, but I'm coming here to you right now. And I, I feel enthusiastic. I feel excited. I have like the zest for life again. So I'm just, just to show you the proof in the pudding, I put the work into this stuff and I'm able to get myself out of things like way faster, way easier than, than I, I used to be able to feel confident now. We're suddenly at this age when it's time to start undoing the conditioning, undoing the muck. And we don't know how to do that. Um, so I've alluded to it a bit um, throughout this episode, but I'm really here to help you figure out how to do it. And by doing that is making an effort to discover your authentic self. Like I was leading with that curiosity when I first got to college and what did neat feel like to me? Um, and, you know, learning what needs to go and what stays because it's all part of you and you at your core. So to start, I want to talk about this thing called shoulds and shouldn'ts. So shoulds and shouldn'ts are all of the things that we believe we're supposed to be doing, you know, as part of the human experience that might not actually align with our feelings or our core instincts. Um, so for example, like I should have X number of social plans a week. I quote unquote, shouldn't get cheese on my egg sandy, you know, because I think I might get fat from it, like crazy things. I should stay online later than my boss. So I look good at work. There are all these shoulds and shouldn'ts that we've been bred to believe. I think this is such a great starting place uh, for figuring out your authentic self. Like the should and shouldn't is an identifier. Like it's like a signal to you for you to dig deeper, be more curious about a certain area, like in your self-development journey. So when I kind of learned about this, I, well, when I did learn about this from my OG therapist, helped me realize like what I needed to undo and realize that um, actually it's the opposite of the should. Um, it's like, if I felt like I should text one of my friends or like call one of my friends, even though like I really don't feel like it, then, then what I realized is, oh, it's because... I have this thing inside of me where I believe the only way that people can like me is if I earn their friendship. And the way I earn their friendship is like calling someone when I really don't feel like talking to them. When I go against my own needs and wants to do something for something else, someone else, like the codependent nature type stuff. So a perfect example of these shoulds and shoulds is um, my mom always wanted me to get highlights when I was a kid. Like she just like didn't believe in her daughter having brown hair. Like it wasn't like that for other daughters. It was about that for me. So I just thought I shouldn't have brown hair. Like I just, I always believed I was like, oh, I shouldn't have brown hair. Um, I didn't know why people had brown hair because it was always so taught to me that they shouldn't. Shouldn't being like they should go to get highlights. Like if you have brown hair, you should do something about it because that's all I knew I, you know, that was right. Uh, there's no one operating model for how we should exist, even though our parents made it seem that way. And really it's up to us to feel empowered to define it for ourselves. Like if we're operating out of shoulds and shouldn'ts, we're not taking ownership over our own point of view. And it's not confident because you're not owning it if someone else is. You see what I mean? That's a lot of power to give up. Like not to be dramatic here, but that is a lot of your own power to give up. And it is time to take it back. And I want you to feel empowered to do so because it's something you're doing for yourself in spite of yourself. So 
That brings me to this week's pro tip, which is really focused on helping you discover your own operating model for existence to ultimately help you, you know, unravel a lot of what we've taken from our parents' beliefs around how we should be in the world. Should be. (laughs) See, it all aligns. And remember, our pro tips, we're doing that in our me, myself, and I locked notes. If you missed the first episode, the me, myself, and I note description will be in the show notes. And today's pro tip you can also find in today's show notes. So I want you to think about all of the shoulds or shouldn'ts in your life across relationships, your job, school, with yourself or your body, family, uh, wherever they might show up. So in your me, myself, and I note, make two sections, one for, for one for shoulds and shouldn'ts, and then one for why. So it's like, I should or should blank because blank. You know, what purpose does it serve in your life to should or shouldn't? So I want you to start by identifying a minimum of three shoulds and shouldn'ts for you to just jot down in your note. And then over the next week, like we talked about in the episode, curiously observe where they occur in your life and keep building out your list. Next week, we're going to use your shoulds and shouldn'ts as a basis for developing your personal anti-confidence red flags. And in all this, I just want you to not forget to take some pride in the fact that you are doing something purely for yourself and your own greater good. Hell yeah, this is how we break down these norms and conditions. And what you develop on the inside will only help positively enhance your life on the outside, fam. So I'm so proud of you and all the work that you're putting into maximizing the 20,000 days or so we have left on this freaking planet. And go do something that makes you happy this week. Tune in to, for more self-development fun next week. And until next time, fam, this is Confidently Me with Cece. Thank you for tuning in to the Confidently Me with CC podcast. Your journey doesn't end here. Check me out on the gram at Caroline Cannon and on TikTok at Confidently CC. Feeling empowered already? Let me know your thoughts by leaving a review, five-star rating, and subscribing to the show. Here's to you and your journey. This stuff isn't always easy, but it's a long-term investment in building a relationship with yourself. You know, the person you're stuck with your entire life. (laughs) Tune in on Tuesdays for more great vibes, high energy, and especially confidence boosting. CC, over and out.